The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome, to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to Data Gurus. Today I have Natasha Stevens, who is Executive Vice President of Strategy at GFK North America. Welcome, Natasha. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much, Seema. Thank you for being here. So Natasha, can you give our listeners a little bit of perspective of what your role is at GFK? I know it's a large organization and there's a lot of moving parts. Sure, I, I would love to. And many of you who uh, are listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm sure are very passionate about, about data and research. And it's a really exciting time to be in the industry because there's a lot of changes going on within market research. And as some of you may be aware, uh, GFK has been going through some very exciting changes as an organization over the past 18 to 24 months. And we are making a lot of progress in our way to transforming from what we previously were was a, you know, a broad range market research company into a technology enabled data and analytics intelligence firm. And I'm very blessed and honored to be on the strategy team in North America. And my focus is part of the team that's leading that transformation in in North America. And it's very much focused on, you know, what's driving changes in the market based on our clients' needs. It is a great time to be in research, right? Because we are awash in data. You've got first party data, you have second party data, third party data, you know, data coming in across all parts of the organization and externally. And what we're hearing quite a bit from the marketplace is there's no challenge in getting that data, but how do we bring it together? How do we make sense of it? How do we process it? How do we use it to actually democratize and share information as opposed to silo it? And ultimately, how do we use all of that data to make better business decisions? And so my role in North America is is really, really focusing on, you know, how do we take the core competencies that we have in this market as it relates to our data assets in core industries such as media and technology and retail? And how do we bring that together to help our clients better answer their business questions? How do we help them pave the road from insight to prediction, which is really where we're trying to all go. And how do we do that in a dynamic marketplace? So, you know, the focus really is charting that course for the organization in North America as we redefine ourselves and really move into the core space of data and analytics intelligence. That sounds incredibly exciting. And GFK has so many different assets that they have access to and they've developed. And I can imagine that thinking through all of that and working with clients and determining the strategy is no easy challenge, but it sounds incredibly exciting. 
Yes, it, it is. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, to quickly add, and, and I think many of you listening can identify, it, it's been very gratifying, challenging, and exciting for me to be in this role. It's a newer role for me. I've been in this role for about seven months now. Uh, I've been with GFK about six years, and I previously led the digital research business, the custom side. And, you know, one of the things that I can say about strategy is that you really have to have that agility and flexibility on a daily basis, right? Because right. You know, what my experience has been is, you know, you, you know, you sort of have an, an innovation roadmap, you're moving towards something, you're very exciting about it, you're co-creating with clients. And then, you know, like anything else, you, you get more information, right? You get more data that causes you to pause to say, wait a minute, you know, should we consider this or should we slightly course correct? So, you know, it's really striking a balance between, you know, st staying very committed to what the overall mission is, but also having that flexibility and to realize that you're going to have to make changes along the way based on what you're hearing in the market. Yeah, and I would imagine that, you know, since you're building towards the future, you have to spend a fair amount of time understanding what the future looks like, right? I mean, currently you have data assets, you're trying to transform into a data and analytics company, insights versus predictions, but there's so many moving parts. And to how do you stay abreast of those changes that might happen 12 to 24 months from now? Yeah, it's such a great question. And it's been, you know, it, it's been a pivot for me that that I've found has been really helpful for me in, in the past two years. So, you know, my experience has been, and I think it's quite common, is you, you know, you find yourself in your field and you develop these areas of expertise. And then, you know, you tend to stay immersed in what's happening in your respective field, right? So, right. As somebody who works in market research and data and intelligence, for years I was always immersing myself in you know, all of our industry newsletters, all of the thought leadership, all of the best practices, charting all the changes in our industry, and then of course, you know, the larger marketing ecosystem, right? Because right. you know, most of what we're doing is is to really drive that. And my pivot in recent years has been more of an outside-in approach, right? So no matter what industry we're in, you know, we're dealing with two core things, right? We're dealing with the disruption of our industries because right. of technology, and we're dealing with the digitization of our industries. So what I do to stay abreast is I actually stay very immersed in what's happening in other industries and, okay. and how they are handling those changes. So whether it is the tech sector or um, the consumer packaged goods sector and so forth, and, and draw you know a lot of inspiration from that. And you know one specific space that I'm just so fascinated by and I follow very closely and, and I learned so much from is the massive disruption that we've seen in the consumer goods industry in the past couple years because of these very successful direct-to-consumer models, right? And so we have all these native brands out there across, you know, many different subsectors of consumer that are radically changing that industry, but those are data-driven companies, right? And, and they have so much data based on that direct relationship that they have. So you know, I think there are specific industries that we can learn so much from to really understand how we stay ahead of that change. And, and most importantly, right, with what we're trying to do in market research, like how do we anticipate what 
people will want in the years to come and the impact that our rapid technological change is, is going to have on their lives. It's interesting that you mentioned CPG as the industry to learn from, but I guess you're right. It is an industry that has kind of, for a long time, has been pretty consistent and steady, but with this direct-to-consumer model sales, it's really dealt with a lot of disruption. So that's an interesting perspective to look at that industry and see how one can think about other industries. Yeah, you know, I mean, just like one other thing that I will add about that, again, sure. because it's just, it, it, it's so dynamic, is, is again, I mean, if, if you think about that industry, and if you think about some of the principles of that industry, I mean, you know, even five years ago, someone would say that it would take years and years and years to build brand equity, right? right. With the consumer brand, um, yep. and, you know, and just the importance of the brand history and the legacy and all of the investment that's put into that. Now, if you think about the intersection of these native brands and social media, mm -hmm. right? You know, specifically within fashion and beauty, right. I mean, you have upstart brands that have been around seven months and because of visibility that they're generating on, on Instagram, which is not that, you know, a relatively cost-effective marketing channel. I mean, you can go from an unknown, generate some attention and, and, and still considerable share right. from a, a longstanding brand. So um, I think some very important lessons to be learned there. And it's great for consumers because they have more choices. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> right? yeah, especially people like me who love yeah. to shop. <laughs> <laughs> so the other trend that's interesting that I've seen consistently is the democratization of information within clients. And so it's not necessarily just the insights function that's quote unquote the gatekeeper anymore, but the information is now becoming more and more available within the brand clients. How does that impact the way you view the world in, in terms of what GFK is thinking about? And obviously I know things are confidential, but you know, kind of a, a worldview in terms of that trend happening within the client space, within brands. Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. And, and again, the, the, the democratization of information is very exciting but being where we are it sort of puts it, it puts anyone who is dealing with that issue at a crossroads right mm -hmm. so you can sort you know you're in that situation you can do one of two things and of course you know there's there's obviously concern because things are changing so so the one thing that you can do you know specifically it, you know working within within consumer insights is is you can get very scared right and you can say you know oh my goodness they don't know what to do with the data right. and people can become protective they can guard the data um, they can make it political and so forth and again, that is the path that I would advise not taking and, and very candid conversations that we have with clients. But the other path is to really use that as an opportunity to embed data in the culture of your organization. And that's not something that happens overnight. That's something that takes time. But you can use data as a unifier. You can use data as a common denominator that starts to really, you know, strengthen those interactions between different functions in the organization. Now, again, that can be incredibly overwhelming. Right. There, you know, different parts of the organization have different types of data. There are varying levels of knowledge of that data. But one of the core roles that we play with clients, and it's a really big part of our transformation, is we want to help our clients make those connections across function. And, you know, two of, of the primary functions that we work with just based on the type of work that we do with GFK is within the 
consumer insights function, and then within the respective marketing and sales organizations within client organizations. And, you know, what we have found is, and again, there are always exceptions, but these two core functions in the organization are working with different types of data, and they're not speaking to each other um, as as much as, as they could, although they're working towards very common goals. So, you know, a lot of our focus and the part of a real part of our transformation is, you know, again, as I shared, you know, technology enabled data and analytics intelligence firm, it's really focusing on how do we make our clients decision making journey easier right? You know, people have, you know, a lack of time, resource constraints and so forth, yet they're being pushed to make decisions quicker and quicker. So our focus has really been, and and what we're doing right now is really building platforms that bring together different types of market data, both on on our side, client side, and, and third party using AI technologies to to make sense of that data. I think most importantly is because again, that's that's not anything new, right? I mean, you know, what I just said to you, everybody's (laughs) doing. So that's, you know, certainly not a differentiator. But what the differentiator is, is is developing that based on how do I help stakeholders within those functions make better decisions on a minute by minute basis? right? What are the core questions that they're trying to answer? What data is going to help them answer those questions? How do we need to integrate that data to answer these questions? And how do we present it in a way that allows them to act quickly? So, you know, a lot of what my experience has has been, you know, when we're working with different SaaS-based platforms and, and, and we're looking at data is, you know, there's a lot of focus on the different visualizations. There's a lot of different focus on, you know, the 8 million ways that you can cut the data, but, you know, you'll often go into a platform and you'll start working on it and you go down that rabbit's hole, right? Right. And you're like, okay, this is all really interesting, but what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as we really build out this platform, and again, it's about democratizing data, you know, it's about people on the sales and marketing side who really may use their anchor as sales data and people on the consumer insight side who may be using different information points like segmentation or brand measures and so forth, bringing all of that data together in one platform, but very, very focused on presenting it in the way that answers the questions that, that they're having to solve on a daily basis. That makes perfect sense. And, the way, and it feels like that the data is, is really just one key component of the strategy, right? There's the views of the data, and then it's also helping stakeholders consume and digest that data to drive the decisions, which is a much bigger charter, I would imagine, because now we're now you're introducing multiple data sets to multiple audiences. Seema, you just hit on such a key point there, which is multiple audiences. You know, that's something else that you have to think about. You know, when you're developing a platform for this, you are serving, you know, not only stakeholders across function, but stakeholders across level, right? You know, all the way from from the C level down. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the way that, that we've all thought about things previously and the way that we've worked with clients in professional services 
is, is, you know, you sort of have your core client. They could be anywhere from, from mid-level to senior level in the organization, not necessarily C-level. Right. And, you know, they're saying to you, okay, well, we need, you know, we need all of this detail and then we need you to help us ladder it up to those key talking points for the CMO or the CEO and so forth. But what we hear so much in the organizations as well is we're, you know, we've had some really powerful client immersion meetings um, over the past eight months. And this is with, you know, some of this, the C-level stakeholders in our client organizations is that they want access to the to the information too, right? You know, they're, you know, they're sitting at that level in the organization. And of course they need to rely on their teams and, and the teams below them, but they want access to data too. But you really have to put a lot of thought into how do you develop data visualizations and, and sound bites that are impactful for that level. So, you know, a lot of what we're designing right now starts at the C level and it goes down. And, and the other thing as well that you need to think about is the channel through which this is being delivered. Right. So, you know, these platforms, there's an expectation that I can get the the data and the guidance that I need when I'm on the go on my mobile phone Mm -hmm. or my computer in the office. And, you know, how you present that depending on the platform that that you are delivering that is, is a very crucial consideration factor, too. So let's switch gears a little bit. You know, we, for a long time, our industry's focused on putting the data sets together and delivering that. And that that was a, a major challenge. And now we have technology that's automating a lot of it. However, there's still some principles around data quality that have to be understood. Just so as all these different audiences are digesting the information and consuming it, there's data quality principles that the client and GFK or another vendor must agree to. How do you, how do you deal with that? I'm glad that you asked it. It's, it's a very, very important question. So anybody passionate about data, you, you couldn't be in the workforce at a better time, right? This is, you know, it's the golden age of data and, and, and that will just continue to increase. But as a result of that, you know, where we are operating right now is we are swimming in all of this data and lots of the data that we are working with is a byproduct, right? It's not sitting out there because we've collected it for a specific purpose. It's a byproduct. And and a lot of that byproduct data is is digital data. So while that data can be very rich and while it can be very valuable, it may not necessarily be representative. And you may not necessarily know the source of, of, of that data set. So, you know, you may think that it represents a certain part of the population, but there are loads of biases in, right. in that data collection that you may not be aware of. So one of our focuses has, you know, we're focusing a lot on, on data integration. We're focusing a lot on passive data um, because it's so rich and it's so granular and it, it's very accurate because it's observational. Mm-hmm. But how we're dealing with that as we put together these data models is that we try and always have, you know, what we would call sort of a core data set or, or what you would call as a seed data set when we're bringing different data in. We, we strongly believe that, you know, it, it's really in our DNA, specifically here in, in North America. You know, one of the core solutions that, that we offer in um, North America is MRI. 
And, you know, MRI is the MRC accredited print currency in the U.S. And it's, you know, widely used by upwards of 95% of media agencies for both planning and activation. And that's a probability-based sample. And it's actually based on, you know, in-person interviewing that's done with thousands and thousands of, of Americans every year, right? So there are no bots in that data. We know right. it's people because people. we're talking to them in their homes and the sampling is address-based sampling, right? Mm-hmm. So we know it's representative. So that's great. Again, you know, there, there are other data sets that you can start with as a seed sample, but we always recommend that as you're starting to bring in different data. So again, take it to a client, you know, clients have a lot of first party data of their customers that that they can really validate. Start with that data set and then bring other data sets in and calibrate and fuse that to, you know, what we would call that single source of truth. So, you know, in short, it's really important to really start with that base. And and we, you know, what what we say, and we've been saying it quite a bit with clients is that data grounded in real people will derive better insights because mm-hmm. they're based on real people. If you haven't done that due diligence on, on, on your data, if you have accuracies in your data, if, if there are bots in your data, it, it's only going to lead to further contamination of the application of that data. It makes perfect sense when you say it. It's basically defining your universe. What is your your view of the truth as you look at a specific segment or population? And the better quality the data is, the better the rest of the other integrated data sets will be. Yeah, that's exactly it. And you know, another thing that we say to clients a lot, you know, you know, again, I mean, sometimes there's so much new going on, we forget about those those old the basic principles. Yeah. And, and, and like, again, we all know this, but statistics and accurate samples are annoyingly useful. Yes. (laughs) You make a great point. That's, that's excellent. So Natasha, let's let's change focus for a second here. I you know, I know we have a lot of professionals that are starting out in in our industry and I'd love to sh- share your perspective as to what are some pieces of advice you would give people who are entering and kind of growing their career in this golden age of data. I thank you. I um you know, I, I really love sharing some guidance here based on my own experiences because, you know, my, my background's in psychology, right? Uh, you know, I started out in, in this industry around uh, 20 years ago and, um, I, you know, I, I really wasn't sure what, what I wanted to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I was very, very passionate about understanding, you know, why people do what they do. Very, always fascinated with human behavior and, and sort of, you know, the relationship between, you know, behaviors, attitudes, and, and decision making. Um, but, you know, that, that leads to a, to a lot of possibilities in the world, right? So one, one piece of advice that I can share as, as you're starting, you know, out in, in this career is A, you know, start to think about within the broad range of, of industries that are out there right now, which industry are you really passionate about, right? You know, my experience has been is that it's important to have passion for what you're doing. It's important to feel a connection to what you're doing. So really start to think about, you know, what are the industries where you're passionate about, where where you would like to have an impact, 
once you have that, my recommendation would be is it's so important to speak to people. It's so important to reach out to people and have conversations with them. And again, you know, it may not necessarily be with someone who has the specific type of role that you're interested in. It may be somebody that has an adjacent role or somebody mm -hmm. who interacts. So again, if you're really, really interested in market research and data, maybe speak to people who work within the marketing function, you know, because they are the, the client or the stakeholder for a lot of the work that you're doing. You know, I'd say networking and talking to people is so important early on. But what I would say is, you know, when I've worked with, you know, I've mentored a lot of people younger in the industry and they've said, oh, well, you know, there's some reticence about reaching out to people or these people aren't going to have time for me or, you know, people who are worried about cold contacting on LinkedIn. I, right. I, 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 I'm a proponent of that. Cold contact on LinkedIn Anyone who's ever reached out to me, you know, looking for guidance, I've been very open, but let me give you one word of advice. We're very busy. And, and as people, you know, have been in a field for longer time, they don't have as much time. So do your homework, have an objective, and just have like three questions that you'd like to ask, right? Mm -hmm. So do your homework. I could say that one of the things that I, you know, I think where you're not going to get positive feedback is, you know, if you just sort of reach out to somebody that you don't know and just be like, hey, I'd really right. love to like learn more about what you do and like what you like about it like if you do your homework and you say look this this is where I am these are some of the decisions that I'm weighing and then you have three questions people love that it, it's structured and if when you're reaching out to people that you don't know like give that level of information you know say hey look like can I just have about like 10 minutes of your time I have a few specific questions when somebody reaches out to me like that I'm like great I've got 10 minutes to give you and I'd be happy to help but when someone's more, you know, open. I'm like, oh. kind of, yep. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'd say, you know, that's one thing, you know, the, the other thing that I would say is if you're just starting out in your career, you're in an entry level position, talk to as many people at your company. Again, not only in your function, keep your ears open to opportunity and think outside of the box. Now, again, I know that think outside of the box sounds cliche, but what I mean from that is that as you are in meetings, as you are talking to colleagues and you have those moments of inspiration, right? You know, you're in a meeting, you're doing a brainstorm, you're trying to tackle a problem and, and you have that idea idea of like, wait a minute, you know, maybe we could do things this way. And maybe you don't have that opportunity to share that in the meeting because again, you um, just may not, not, uh, not have the floor. Jot down those ideas and think about how you can then have conversations with other people in the organization to really share what your ideas are. So you may not have that visibility in, in a meeting, but make sure those ideas of yours get shared. Because what my experience has been is that if you do that in a methodical way, in in a disciplined way, opportunities are going to start to come to you in the organization. So you want to make your opinions and ideas heard, but you want to do it in a productive way. And the other point that I'll make to that is when you have opportunities early on in, in your career, take them, you know, take them because they are going to take you to the next level. You know, I had some really, you know, exciting opportunities early on in my career where I said, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if, if I can do this. Take that of faith because if you stay committed, if you continue to learn, if you ask for the support that you need, you will succeed. So don't shy away from big opportunities that come to you early.
That's great advice. And, and I think that so much is based on that leap of faith and believing that you can do it and that people will help you figure it out as you go along with your journey. And I love the notion of just being structured and disciplined as you engage with other people. It goes a long way. And when people reach out to me, to your point, Natasha, if, they're, if it feels like they have a very clear vision of what they're trying to get out of a conversation, I don't think I've ever said no. Exactly. Exactly. And, and just really quick to piggyback, I, sure. I love what you said, and it's so true, is like the importance of asking for help. You know, again, I, I think a lot of people who, who tend to work in this field, data, market research, intelligence, you want to, whatever you'd like to call it, right. we tend to be type A, mm-hmm. we tend to be overachievers, and we tend to be perfectionists. And, you know, especially early on in your career, you're like, I have to prove myself, I, I have to show that I'm smart. Yes. There, there's such, you know, the humility element is so important. Like, it's okay if you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Um, <laughs> you know, ask questions. Like, that, it, it says a lot about you. It, it's not a negative thing. Ask for support. Because as you said, like, people do like to support because yes. it helps them too. So I, that's also an important guidance that I would give. Natasha, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed having this conversation. And I can't wait to meet up for lunch soon. Yes, thank you so much, Seema. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.